was happening world again it's kira hosting and it's was hey so this week we're doing something a little different uh typically we do movie reviews but as you know we've been has written a book it is called hodgepodge you can get it on amazon kindle and barnes and noble barnes and nobles, barnes and nobles. i'm going to interview ben about his book and his writing style and kind of who he is as an author uh you guys know us a lot as movie reviewers and recommenders so today we're gonna mix it up and recommend something of our own Ooh, Ooh. so ben <laughs> kind of start me off what made you interested in writing so i've been writing since i was a young kid my dad wrote poetry and i followed in his footsteps i started writing poetry in high school junior high and uh, i used to like you know give it to people for their girlfriends or boyfriends <laughs> that's how i started very cool so now there are so this uh book i should have said hodgepodge is a combination of short stories and poems that you have written. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your writing process and what you kind of and how you kind of selected these stories to, as one would say, hodgepodge together. <laughs> so I'm from Lynn, Massachusetts, and Lynn, Massachusetts is basically a hodgepodge of individuals. There's black, Spanish, white, Korean, all different blends of people. I mean, it's basically a melting pot, a hodgepodge, <laughs> and it has. A bad reputation. Uh, Lin Lin, the city of sin, you never come out the way you went in is the poem. And people judge us because of that. They think automatically if you're from Lin, you're this bad person. You're a drug addict. You're a drug dealer. You're a gang member. You're a punk. They don't look the, the true beauty inside Lin. Like, we have our issues, yeah. But we're one of the first places that, like, had, like, openly gay relationships. We had black and white friendships, black and white relationships. And we got along with our neighbors, you know, no matter what the color was. So you can say whatever you want. And it's true. I mean, it's not a great city, but it's for me, it was one of the first places I learned to deal with people as individuals, not by color, race, or sexual content. It has a lot of places in Lynn that are famous. I mean, that no one knows about, but they're really famous. It's like Dungeon Rock where there's pirates buried alive. He got buried alive and his treasure's down there. There's High Rock Tower where the singing Sullivan family that sang for George Washington during the Revolutionary War they lived there. They traveled across the country and they built this tower so that his daughter could see the stars and it overlooks Boston. And there's just like so many different things that is good about Lynn that is overlooked because of the negativity. Absolutely. Now, I have never been to Lynn. So sorry, but this makes me want to go. So you mentioned that... Bring some with you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you have mentioned that these places that you talk about in your story are real. Are these characters real as well? No. I... They're just characters. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I know you and I know this person. You don't know this person. I may have taken parts of individuals and integrated them into the characters because, uh, let's face it, you know people, you know different things, and you see certain aspects of people that you think are great, like Stephen Tomei. It's basically a mixed relationship, and it's about them bonding. Like, And I don't think in books, I don't think you see a lot of that. I, don't, I mean, I read a lot of romance novels and everything, and it's very, you know, oh, hey, ha, ha, let's have sex. But they don't get into the back, like, you know, banter between the two characters. They don't get into, like, the bond they get. Because you're not just in a relationship. You don't become just boyfriend and girlfriend. You don't become just husband and wife. You become friends. And you learn each other's little innuendos. And you can see, like, a certain smile or a certain way a person moves is something for you. Because you know what that means. And I don't think that's expressed in all these uh, novels of love. and Because they don't express the true nature of the bond that people have. Absolutely. Now, speaking like this, you sound very much like a romantic. Are, would you find that you are a romantic or that you like to romanticize, you tend to romanticize your life through your writing? 
I don't know if I'm a romantic. I mean, I do appreciate a good love story. I'm a big Meg Ryan fan, by the way. So, like, when Harry met Sally, uh, when a man loves a woman, those have been great. And I will say I love watching a good romance, like, movie. I, I, I'm not, like, you know, Mr. Gung-Ho guy. Like, oh, I have to, I have to watch all these action-packed movies and not care about a, a, a romance. I actually like romances. I think they're good. You know? So how do you get into the mindset of these characters to try to figure out, like, what they would like and how they act and what they would say and these these sort of innuendos that you talked about like that make them fall in love with each other. How do you get into that mindset of Steve or Tamay? As my wife says, I get into the book. <laughs> and because she'll, she'll be reading, she's like, I'm in the book, man. I'm in the book. And she's like, don't talk to me because I'm not going to hear you because I'm in the book. So when I get in my writing, I get into the writing. I like, I visualize the conversations. I visualize the feelings of each, each character. I visualize what the person would express, you know, how they feel about each other. Like, you know, just the little banter that they would have, like the friendship, the, the fun. So I kind of get into them. That makes sense. Do you ever feel like you would lose yourself within a character or are there very clear boundaries between who you are and who you write oh, no, characters to be? boundaries. I mean, some of my characters are really sadistic. I mean, Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so some of them are really like evil people. So when I write stuff about like some of the stories are about ghosts, some of them are about vengeance, some of them are about comedy, uh, sports. So I get into the mindset of what that person might feel like. If it's a ghost, you know, a ghost that was murdered, you kind of, you know, what would that person feel? The person's going to feel anger and hatred and bitterness and, you know, and want redemption for what happened to them, you know. And I'm 50-something years old. I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot of, you know, what would happen, like, you know, the, what they believe serial killers do. Like, they go back to the scene of the crime or they're at the crime scene when things are going on. So, like, there's parts of that integrated into the book where, you know, I've learned over the years about, like, different stereotypes of what people might do in, in situations. Okay, very cool. That makes a lot of sense. So, speaking, now, you have one of my favorite stories in here, and it kind of goes through for a bunch of different ones, is hanging up the helmet. Yes. Now, can you speak to that story? Is it more from a place of playing or more from a place of fandom? <laughs> so, my experience in playing was uh, I went to football practice once, and my friend's didn't want me there because I was a runt, so they beat me like unmercifully. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, you still want to do this? And I was like, yeah, 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 you can take my jersey. I'm out. Uh, soccer and track were my thing after that. <laughs> no, so I'm a huge football fan, huge sports fan, especially of New England teams like Celtics, Boston, Bruins, Patriots. As a fan of them, I'm a fan of the league. And I see like a lot of stuff going on in the league where people are, you know, the Junior Seau's death where he killed himself because he had brain, what was it, CTE? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he had CTE and he wanted to be discovered. So, and I see a lot of the stuff happening to the athletes, and there's precautions, but you can never truly have full precautions of injuries. Like this just just happened in the Buffalo game where he got the, the guy got hurt, almost died, and they revived him and brought him back. So for me, I thought started thinking about the like their journey, and as individuals, they didn't just start as pros; they started as young kids, as little children, and they had to progress over the years. And it's basically all they've known is this sport. Like, same thing with tennis stars, same thing with, you know, like, basketball stars, same thing with any kind of sports athlete that's made it to that professional level. Most of the time, they've traveled the journey of, of, of like, Frodo. Like, right. you know, you, they've traveled this adventure where they had to go through perils and obstacles and, you know, overcome things to get to the professional level. And not everybody gets to the professional level, you know? So, it's like their dreams. And what if it was taken from them? Yeah. So typically on our podcast, we do spoilers. Uh, let's not do spoilers for the book because y'all should buy it. So 
why now, Ben? Why are these stories coming out of you now and why do they need to be told now? Okay, so I'm 54 years old, February 1st. All my life, like when I started writing or when I started doing something, I'm sure a lot of people can hear this, I had my own self-doubts. I'm like, no one's going to like this. No one's going to buy it. You know, you're not good enough. You're not worthy enough to write this stuff. And I crumbled it up and I threw it out. And I didn't believe in myself. And self-doubt took over many of, many of my life. A lot of my life has been self-doubt. But that's on me, my own personal thing. So I overcame it. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I wanted, like, I always started, like, the last five years of my life, I've decided that I'm going to do whatever it takes in my life to do whatever I want in my life to achieve things in my life. Like, I, I did stand-up comedy. I've done this podcast. I've done this book. And I want it to be an inspiration for my grandchildren and other people to be like, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. And break down those walls of, of self-doubt and like have this, like just have people go, you know what? I am worthy to do this. I don't care what people think of it. I want to put it out there. And if people like it, that's beautiful. If they don't like it, it stinks. But you know what? I did it. You did it. I did it. And that's what it's all about. It's about you doing it. You overcoming it. Our podcast motto is dare to be different. And the reason I say that is because so many people want to conform to what other people want them to be that they get away from themselves and they lose themselves in this like facade and that's not who they really are. And if they embrace who they really are and become who they really are, they'll reach their full potential. And that's what a lot of the stuff in my book is. It's like reaching their full potential, you know, overcoming obstacles, looking at who they are and realizing that no matter what the world sees them as, they're awesome. Amazing. I love that. And I love that sort of message to have behind you as an author and from the story. So were these stories like years in the making or were you like, you know what, now's the time. I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to write them. Anything that comes out is going to come out. So a lot of these stories are because people challenged me. People said, you're a writer. I said, yeah, I'm a writer. And they said, all right, well, write a story about this. Write a story about, can you write a story about this? Can you write a story about that? They'd give me locations. They'd say, all right, so what about Dungeon Rock? Can you write a story about Dungeon Rock? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, what about Egg Rock, Red Rock? And I'm like, yeah. So I sat down, and this book has been 15 years in the making, 15 years of writing, like getting it together, putting it together, going over it, re-going over it, like editing it, looking at it, and being like, all right, this could be better if I do this, this could be better if I do that. And the stories aren't long, but I, I always felt that stories don't have to be. You don't have to have a 100-page short story. You could have a 10-page short story, a 15-page story, a 5-page short story. It's the message that the story has. I mean, if it's really good and it's really a strong message, then it doesn't have to be a long, long story. It doesn't. And as long as it resonates with you as a writer, then it will resonate with the readers. And I think that's where the power of the words come in. Now, I know off screen, we had talked about another book that you had written yeah. a while back. Do you want to talk to that? Yeah, I can. I lost both my parents at an early age. My mom died when I was in high school, just turning senior year, she died. And then 1992, my father passed away. I was a party animal. I liked to drink. I liked to party. And it kind of got out of hand, kind of got really out of hand, where um, I turned to it. Instead of dealing with the, the sadness and depression, I turned to it. And I drowned myself in drugs and alcohol to the point where like, I lost everything, like everything. I was homeless. I lost my friends. I betrayed all my friends. I was not a good person. I was an evil person, stuck in my own self-pity and waller in self-doubt. And I wrote this book. I was living basically in a laundromat. I was a functioning alcoholic. I would go to work, work, then I'd come home of the laundromat, and I'd write. And then 
I just started putting the stuff in folders and sending it away to my aunt. So I had forgot about it because like shit happens and you get out of it. People believe in you. She believed me. She picked me up. She did what she did. She helped me. She's part of the dedication in this book, uh, Patricia Clark. Thank you very much for all you've done for me. My mother's elegant dedication and my wife, Cam. I forgot about it. And then I went there and she said, you wrote a book because I was giving her this copy. She said, yeah, I know you wrote a book. And I went, no, I wrote a book. She goes, Ben, that's not the only book you wrote. And then she handed me the folder and I have this other book that's basically completed. I just got to like go through it, fix it, edit it, and then I can put it out there. That's an incredible story. And for her to support you like that and hold on to it, I think speaks to how much she believes in you and how powerful your relationship is and how good of a writer you are. I mean, yeah. to really pull yourself out of a situation like that is is never easy. No. And for you to come so far, uh, of course, for those of you who know, I have met Ben later in his life. Only We've only been friends for what, like a, almost like two years now, like yeah, almost, two and a half, yeah. almost two and a half years. And when I first met you, I, w- I would have never guessed any of that. You were always the happiest most inviting person i think that's what that's why we were drawn to each other because we were just both so enthusiastic about life so to hear this from you just shows how incredible your spirit is oh thank you and i think that that's truly powerful i've only read hodgepodge you guys i have not read this this mystery book (laughs) but it sounds like it is beautiful and powerful now when you were writing hodgepodge we'll get we'll get back to the book that we are actually covering but i think that is such an incredible story about you as a writer and how far you've come and i think that's important because especially when you're talking about that self-doubt you were deep in it it's not just like something that you theorize about it's something that you've lived yeah no no i've lived this and it was it was painful and that's why i tell people you can overcome it if i can overcome it you can overcome it it's hard and it's it's awful and it's rough and Sometimes people will give up on you, but don't give up on yourself. Just don't because you're worth it. You're, you're 100% worth it. And if you can overcome it and you can get through it, then you'll be an inspiration to other people. And I think that, you know, I believe in you. If no one else, at the end of this day, no one else tells you that you listen to this. No one else says, you know, I believe in you. I believe in you because I did it. That's incredible. And you did do it. And this book is proof of that. I mean, you guys, this is a podcast so you guys can't see, but I am physically holding the copy of it. <laughs> And it is, it's beautiful. The artwork, you've collaborated with familiar artists. Do you want to talk to the art? Yeah, his name is Jamie Alwyn. He's also from Lynn. We are friends since God, junior high. I've known him most of my life. It's Alwyn Art. He's on TikTok and Instagram. And he's a phenomenal, phenomenal artist. And his girlfriend also helped with this, Allie. She did like a lot of the going in, editing, making sure like the fonts were right for the different books, like, you know, a hard cover, a soft cover. And she's actually going in and fixing a couple of, minor mistakes that I made to make it even better. So thank you, Allie. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, I do recommend if you want someone to do artwork, Jamie is incredible. If you can see some of the stuff he does on TikTok, it's amazing. He did like a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader bus, and they put them together, and it looks really incredible. That sounds awesome. He also did the What's Happening art, correct? Yes, he is the person that put together the What's Happening artwork. Uh, he's just, he's a good friend, and he's very dedicated in you know, like helping us and like, you know, I think that's appreciative. He's been very supportive of us as a podcast, as a, a book writer. I appreciate his friendship, and I appreciate what he's done. And I will direct you towards Alwyn Art. And if you like his stuff, reach out to him. He would gladly do cover art for your book. He'll gladly do portraits for you. He's he's that damn good. That's incredible. He is. Um, you guys have to go check out the book at Amazon or Barnes & Noble so you can see this incredible artwork that we're talking about. So, Ben, kind of wrapping up about the book here, what... What story 
would you want to promote the biggest or the most out of here? What is your what is your story? If you could leave everyone with one impression of the book, what would it be? One impression of the book. Well, I love my poems. <laughs> my poems. I like my poems because they reflect a lot of like the, the surrounding areas. Like I did Salem, Revere Beach, Boston, just emotions. But I'd have to say I, I really do like A Common Christmas and um, A Cold Hard Truth because I like the characters of Tamay and Steve. I think their their banter is fun. Their growth is incredible, and they still got a lot to go on. You know, a little spoiler, the book that I, I now have in my possession is basically their stories from high school. Very cool. So we could see kind of like a lifelong progression of Steve and Tamay and how they've grown up together and fallen in love, dealt with the heart, like hardship. And do you think you would ever do a spinoff, like a trilogy almost? Well, yeah. See, so what I have is I have this book that I'm going to probably do like a little trilogy with, with this one. And then also in the book, there's a fantasy. I set up four stories to lead into a fantasy novel that I want to put together, like a trilogy of a fantasy novel. And it's basically set in Massachusetts, Lynn, but it's an alternate reality where this dragon is trying to take over the world and he does all kinds of stuff to bring back like dwarves, elves. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the work. Oh, that's exciting. How do you have time to do it all? Right now, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you, I don't. I mean, mean, I'm supposed to sit down and like get on these books and I'm like, okay, but then like life, I, you know, I work two jobs. Well, right now I'm only down to one, but I'm seeking another job again. And then I do the podcast. I do the podcast editing. I have stuff I have to do. Like I have to promote the book. I have to, on February 22nd, I'm going to be on Lynn Public Television talking about the book. Exciting. Uh, There's some interviews set up where I'll be in newspapers for Lynn. I have a book signing that's being scheduled at Toadstool in Nashua. We're working on that right now, but they're changing the name. They they got sold. So it's going to be a different book place besides Toadstool. So we're working on that. So there's a lot of stuff in the works. That's exciting. Well, for those of you who are in the New England area, definitely tune in to the, on this 22nd, we said, right? Yep. For the Lynn newscast. And then we will post details about the Toadstool signing. If you want to meet yep. Ben and get your book signed and ask him some questions, he is fascinating and he is energetic and fun. And this book is all those things. Thank you. I would greatly appreciate it. So I would say check out the book. Um, ben, anything else you want to add? No, just, you know, I know sometimes reaching your dreams is scary, but put away that fear and, and overcome it and reach for the stars because you're worth it. Amazing. You are worth it. Like you said, dare to be different and be true to yourself because if life has taught you anything, it's all you have in this world is you. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you guys for listening. Like we said, check out the book, A Hodgepodge by Benji Wozniak. It is on Amazon, Kindle, and Barnes and Noble. Again, if you have any questions, you can always DM us right directly. We love to hear from you, and we're always here from you. So catch us next time on What's Happening.